Turn with me in your copy of the scripture to the book of 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19. As you're turning, um, I know that uh, many of you are aware and you kind of see, I see some of this going on and, and uh, you know, a little bit of fanning and stuff. And, you know, we've been having some air conditioner issues. Um, this week, one of our units caught fire. And uh, we're just thankful to the Lord that we still have a building to worship in today. Amen? And so uh, we're thankful for that. We are in the process of fixing it, so bear with us, okay? Um, if, uh, you know, we'll, we'll try to make it to where you can fan, and we've got one unit working. And uh, if you want it really cool, probably this side is the unit that's working. Um, so just so you know. Um, so next week I'll come home and our, I'll be preaching from here because there'll be nobody over there, but... Um, you know, our, our desire is to hopefully have all of this fixed here really soon, and thank you for your patience in that. But how many of you know, I've been in mission trips that it was a lot hotter than this, and uh, we are still really blessed, amen? Um, we have so many comforts and so many things that God gives us, and sometimes we kind of don't look at that thought process, and I want you to know we're so grateful for you and that, uh, that your patience with us and allowing us to complete that process with our air conditioning, Amen. Today I want to preach a message, um, it's entitled, Burn the Plow. Burn the Plow. I believe the Holy Spirit wants to speak to our hearts this morning about this. I want to start with a story. On April the 21st, in the year 1519, there was a Spanish explorer named Hernando Cortez. If you remember him from history, he was the one who came and conquered Montezuma and Mexico for the Spanish. Um, he brought with him about 600 men, and to be honest, they were really outnumbered when it came to fighting with Montezuma and all his warrior, Aztec warriors. But how did he conquer? How, how did this happen for him? What was, the, what was one of the defining moments that took place for Cortez? Well, for Cortez, it was the very moment that he landed his ships in Mexico with his men. He landed his ships in Mexico, had all the men get off on the shore, and then what he did was amazing. And, and really, you would think, wow, that's kind of a dedication. But what he did is he set all 11 ships on fire. And destroyed them so that there was no going back. There was only going forward. There's no possibility of living in past or in retreat. There's only one mentality, and that mentality is that we move forward. In 1 Kings chapter 19, we get a same, the same kind of thought process here. As we talk about this idea of being all in, of, of commitment, if you look at this passage, uh, there's a passage, this is the chapter before, chapter 19, is probably one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture. It is the passage where Elijah calls down fire from, from heaven. Probably one of my favorite passages because it reveals a little bit about God's awesomeness and His power, and then Elijah also has a little fun. I like having a little fun. Anybody else like having a little fun? I like having a little bit of fun, and Elijah has a little fun, and he's telling all these prophets of Baal, and they've put up this, the, the, it was a competition, right? And so they both made an altar, and 
All the prophets of Baal were dancing around and trying to get whoever's God answered by fire, let him be God. And they were dancing around and Elijah says stuff like this. Hey, maybe you should shout a little louder. Because maybe your God's asleep and he just can't hear you. Maybe he's on vacation somewhere, right? And uh, he's just not tuned in, right? And so he's having fun and poking with him. Finally, at the end of the day, he says, that's enough. And then he does the also cool thing is he pours water on his sacrifice. And he pours water on the altar. How many of you know water and fire don't mix? And he pours water all over it, and God answers, and boom. And oh, Could you imagine what that day would have been like? How cool that would have been, and how many people would have been like, oh. And then there's going to be a revival, right? Woo, fire from heaven, awesome, amazing, right? Well, it took Elijah just about a minute to understand that the queen was upset with him for doing that. And so he is on the run. He's fleeing for his life. God finds him in a cave. He's telling God, hey, God, listen. Hey, I'm the only one. There's nobody else that's going to serve you. I'm the only one. And God says, okay, listen, here's what I want you to do. After all of this conversation he has with God, in the, in the part right before we're going to read, he tells Elijah to go find this man named Elisha. And Elisha was going to succeed him as the prophet in Israel. And that's just kind of giving you some backsetting for this text today. Let's begin reading in chapter 19, verse 19. It says, So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? Verse 21, so Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. Father, today... I need you, Lord. Would you speak through me this, this morning? God, may we get the message that you're trying to convey with us, that you have a great thing for us to do. You have a great ministry, God, for us to fulfill. But God, we've got to fix our eyes in the right place. And help us, God, today, I pray. Motive, move in our hearts, God. Let our minds and ears be attentive to what you're saying this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. See, in this passage of Scripture, Elijah comes up to Elisha and he throws his cloak over him. He doesn't say anything. He doesn't come up and say, you have been chosen. You know, kind of like the Toy Story, you are the chosen one, right? It wasn't like that. It was no verbal thing, but what it meant was when someone, when a master would come and throw his cloak over someone, that would mean that he was choosing him to come and follow him and to be his understudy or his servant. And so Elijah comes up to Elisha and he throws his cloak over him. Elisha immediately knows what that means. 
And so he jumps off of his oxen and he runs after Elijah and he says, listen, hold on just a minute. Let me go back and tell everybody goodbye and then I will be all in with you. And then here's the next thing that he, ta- that he does is he gathers all of his oxen together and he slaughters them. He gets all of his farming equipment together and he puts it in a pile and he lights it on fire and then he burns the ox over that and he gives it to all of his servants to eat. Kind of like a last meal because listen, I am leaving this business because God has called me to move forward. I'm convinced today that we need people in the body of Christ who are willing to have that same type of commitment that says, God, I'm not going to hold on to the things of the past. I'm not going to hold on to this cushy lifestyle. I'm not going to hold on just because it's comfortable and it's something I like. But God, I am going to say, I'm going to be all in. I'm going to commit. I'm going to burn the plow. I'm going to sever my ties with that because, Lord, I know you have something great in front of me. I'm not going to just base it on what I know and what I'm comfortable with, but God, I believe that you've got something in front of me that is greater than what's been behind me. See, that was the key for Elisha. The key for Elijah was Elisha recognizes the fact that what is laying in front of him and the ministry and the opportunity that was laying in front of him was greater than what he had been experiencing back here. It was greater than just plowing fields and farming land. God was calling him to a ministry. He was calling him to do something for him. One of the most amazing things that I find in this scripture, uh, as you continue to read about Elisha and Elijah, is the fact that Elisha, if you look at the miracles that Elijah did, and you look at the, what God did through Elisha, Elisha asked for a double portion of the anointing that was on Elijah. And if you look at that, if you study that in Scripture, you'll find that Elisha does double the ministry of what Elijah did. Why? Because he was willing to burn the plow. He was willing to burn the plow. This morning, the topic is this idea of all in. You may have noticed when our baptism candidates get baptized, we give them all a shirt. This is what that shirt looks like. If you can't see this in the back row, that's okay. You can come up and look at it at some point or ask them to show you. Basically, what the shirt says is, is I've decided all in. All in. See, I think that's an important thing. I think that's a, a, a milestone thing for, for our walk with the Lord. God calls us to be all in top priority in your life. You know, a lot of times we set priorities of all different things. You may be here today, and man, your, your top priority is, man, I, I got to get to work, man. My job is my everything. I get to work. I, I put my time in. I got to raise money for my family. And then you put your kids in that place too, and you're thinking, man, I've got to do all this to raise this, to be this, to be this is what God's called me to be. And don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with, with working. God, the Bible says if you don't work, you don't eat. I believe that. I believe working is an honorable thing. I believe serving your family is an honorable thing. But the problem with us in our society today is we have made those honorable things the main thing. We have chased after the things that mean nothing of eternal value, and we have now gone after the things that will die and temporarily 
be gone. And so God is trying to call us to higher places. He's trying to take us to newer levels in Him. He's got eternal things of significance in front of us, but we are so busy laying on to the things that that we are comfortable with, with the job, with the kids, with the family. And God is saying, listen, I'm not calling you to negate all of that, but what I am telling you to do is focus completely upon my word and what I want to do in your life. I mean, you stop and think about this, this scripture text um, that Elisha, man, he burns everything. The old business, the way of life, the way that he normally did things, he burns it all, destroys it all, and says, I'm following God with everything. You say, well, pastor, what's that look like for me? Well, that's one thing you'll have to find out with prayer. But there is one thing I'm sure of. There's a scripture text that's in Proverbs chapter 3. It's in verse 5. And this is something that is so much that it magnifies this thought process. Many of you might recognize it when I start to say it. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and don't lean to your own understanding, but in all your ways, all your ways, acknowledge Him, not acknowledge you, not acknowledge the people around you, acknowledge Him in all of your ways and He'll make your path straight. I think so many times we're so busy acknowledging so many other things that we lose track of being all in with God. All in. That's a commitment level. Burn your boats. Burn your oxen. What does it mean to be committed? What does it mean to be all in? It means making a firm choice. It means not worrying about keeping your opinions open. It means leaving yourself, not leaving yourself a way out. It means pursuing something wholeheartedly with no contingency plans to fall back on. It means being 100% sold out to a person or a cause or a goal to not hold anything back, to not keep anything in reserve. That's what it means to be all in. You know, I, I remember when I gave my heart to the Lord, I would love to tell you that the moment I gave my heart to Jesus, I was completely all in. I would love to tell you that. Ah, but alas, it wasn't quite true. But I started down this process. I started down a process, and, and I think that's what God is calling us to do is to refocus our priorities. Because I think that's what really you get down to when you get to all in. When I got saved, I, I, I would love Jesus with all my heart, but I still had this that I was controlling. I still had my plow back here, right? I still had my oxen back here. I had a plan, man. I had a, I, I had a vision. I had a plan. I was going to fly the friendly skies. I was going to be a pilot. Ooh, I was going to see the world. Four years after God saved me, he says, no, I got another plan for you. God and I caught thought, I shared this with the students on on Tuesday night because we're talking about what you do with the chance. God and I thought about that for a while before I said yes. Because why? Because I had to be the one to come back and burn the plow. No contingency plan, nothing to fall back on. God, I am all in. I'm saying, Jesus, you can lead my life. You can do whatever you want for me. God, I am believing in you. And I put my hope in him. Went to Bible college. Went to my first ministry assignment. 
upon leaving my first ministry assignment, I had those thoughts again. God, is there something else I can do? Is there something else that you would rather have me do? Man, I would love to go back and get my pilot's license. I'll fly Bibles, God. <laughs> I will put a Bible, I'll put Bibles in my plane and drop the chute and whoo, the word of God. Hit somebody in that boom. God, we will drop the word of God on people. And God says, no, that's not what I want. And again, the wrestling with priorities. I challenge you today. Maybe yours isn't a call to ministry. Maybe it is. Maybe yours is just a call to teach a class. There's no different in ministry, God's ministry eyes, whether I'm full-time pastor or you're calling to teach a class. We all play a part in the kingdom. And God's just looking for us to say yes. Or maybe you're here today and, and, and you're the one that's been tossing around leading a ministry. You're the one that's been tossing around getting involved or, or actually doing something for, for God in your school or doing something for God in your workplace or doing something in your home, lead, starting to lead your family in devotions. But there's something that has gripped your heart and you say, no, you know, I really can't do that. I, I really can't make that happen. And what you have done is you have held on to the fears and the insecurities and all of the things of your life that have kept you back here in the past and God says, listen, burn that stuff. Because I've got something in front of you that is far greater than where you've been. I've got something in front of you for your family that is far greater than what your family's ever done. I've got something in your workplace and in your school that I want to transform your life. But you have to be willing to say, God, I'm going to leave this behind, what I know, and I'm going to pursue you with all my heart. All in. That's what burning the plow is. Past defeats, those insecurities, those fears, those hurts, they make us look in the rearview mirror. Anybody ever drive trying to look in your rearview mirror only? That's, that's difficult, right? I remember I was uh, driving in town in, in Columbus. I used to live there for a period of time. And I was driving in Columbus, and this guy would not quit tailgating me. And so me and God are having a conversation about this guy. And I'm walking, I'm looking in my rearview mirror just about the whole time. And the minute I start to look up, I'm changing lanes and didn't even know it. Right? I'm saying, God, you got to do something about this guy because I'm about to have a holy moment right here. <laughs> We're about to have something. It's about to get on right here. I'm about to give the holy break of life right here. Right? And as I'm looking at this guy in my rearview mirror, I'm spending time because you're only supposed to look at your mirrors every eight seconds. For those of you that haven't taken your driver's test yet, let that be a, a thing. Every eight seconds, you're supposed to look up at your mirror, glance at your mirror, not look into it identically trying to find out what that guy looks like. We'll see him at Walmart later, man. Right? And then all of a sudden, I noticed as I'm doing this, my, my hands, and because my focus wasn't where it forward, it was back. And it got me off path. That's the same thing with life. If you're concentrated on the hurts and the pit failures of your past and the insecurities and the fears and the stuff that's back here, if you're so concentrated on that that you can't focus on the Lord, you'll never move to the place where God wants you to be. Because God has something great for you. You know, I got 
together with some friends in the past, and I, I love to do that every once in a while, but there was this one guy that I got together with, and every time we got to talking, he always wanted to talk about the past. Oh, man. And I remember the first time we did it, it was really great. Do you remember when we blew up that mailbox, man? Oh, that was cool. Do you remember when we, uh, don't take notes on this kid. Do you remember when we put firecrackers at the, oh, when that great, toilet paper, wasn't that, we put corn cobs in the road and wasn't that great? And the first time I'm like, oh, yeah, that was awesome. It was so much fun, man. I love, remember that car that just, I thought he was getting spikes and all I got was corn cobs. That was amazing. About the third time we had this conversation and talked to them, he kept bringing up the old past. And a revelation kind of came to me. I can't live back there. This guy's a part of my past. But because he's a part of my past, the past that maybe I'm not as proud of, the past that kind of holds me back, he's not helping me shape my destiny. So I had to cut loose some of those ties. I had to cut loose some of that. That doesn't mean I just don't ever talk to him again, but when we talk, I don't bring, we don't talk about, I don't let him go down the road of the past. We talk about, what's God doing in your life today? What's happening in you today? I think sometimes people have a whole, um, they, they have a, a, a difficult time going forward because of something or someone in their past that abandoned them. Because of something that happened, they didn't live up to their part of the bargain. They didn't abide by that marriage covenant. They didn't, uh, they stabbed you in the back to get that promotion. Scenarios are unending. This morning, I want to encourage you and I want to challenge you with this thought. Jesus can take away the scars of your past. He can mend the hurt of broken relationships and mistrusted people. He can heal you, body, soul, spirit, emotions, everything. Jesus says, consider the cost of becoming a disciple. Consider the cost of becoming a disciple. And once you consider that cost and you want to make that judgment, just like these folks did today, and they decided, hey, I am decided, I am following Jesus, I am all in, no retreat, that's got to be our mindset. Making defining decisions that will eliminate the possibility of us sailing back to the old world burning ships along the way, and maybe the ship you need to burn today is called past failure. Maybe the ship you need to burn today is called past success. Maybe the ship you need to burn today is called bad habits or regrets or fear or insecurity or guilt or alcohol or drug abuse or gossip or religion. Whatever that ship is for you, set it on fire today and let God proclaim the destiny He wants to do in your life. That's exactly what Elijah does when he burns his applying equipment and he barbecues his oxes on it. Oxen on it, sorry. Oxes is an Indiana term, sorry, forgot that. He's having a goodbye party for his old way of life. He couldn't go back. Can I, can I just give you a little a thought process? Jesus said it this way. He's looking for people who will do this. Luke chapter 9 says this, he said to him, another man, follow me. But the man replied, Lord, first let me go bury my father. And Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. 
Jesus replied, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the service in the kingdom of God. What was he saying? Was he saying that family's bad? Man, you shouldn't have to go back and say bye to your mama, bye to your dad. No, that's not what he's saying. What he's saying is this. You need to make sure before you make this decision that all your priorities are in order. That mom and dad and family, while they may be important, they're not the most important. God is. There's a, a book that uh, I have in my office. It challenges me whenever I pick it up. It's called The Fox's Book of Martyrs, if you've ever heard that or not. Fox's Book of Martyrs. And in this book, uh, that he, he just goes through history, and he tells of those who are willing to give their life for the cause of Christ. Those people who are willing to lay down their life and to be killed as a Christian because of who they were for the sake of the gospel. You don't do that with a surface relationship with God. You only do that when you're all in. Because that is forsaking all things, even your life, to say, I've decided I'm going to follow Jesus. Look at his disciples, Judas excluded but his replacement, Mattathias. If you look at his disciples, every one of them but one were executed because of him. And the one that survived, he survived an execution attempt because he was burned in boiling oil and survived. And then they sent him on an island to be exiled for the rest of his life. There's coming a day, I believe, when, and maybe it's even already here in some places, but where being a Christian is going to be looked down upon. There's coming a day when we're going to have to make a decision. Am I all in? Being a Christian is not what I do. It's who I am. I don't just carry my Bible to carry my Bible. I don't just raise my hands and worship to raise my hands and worship. I don't just come to church because it's the thing to do. I've come and I'm a believer in Christ. It's not just what I do. It's who I am. It has become so woven inside of me that I have decided that I am going to follow Jesus and there is no turning back. There is no alternative. Jesus, give me Jesus or let me die. Give me what He wants for my life. God is looking for people who will be all in. You can't be all in until you're willing to sell out. I'm not just talking about a sinner's prayer. I'm not just talking about going through some classes. I'm talking about steps of faith. I'm talking about things that happen in burning your oxen, making a statement of faith. It says, I've decided I'm going to follow Jesus, no turning back. Whenever you do that, this is, what, this is my, my thought process as you talk about what it means to be saved, what it means to serve the Lord. It's a defining decision accompanied by dramatic action. It is a defining decision that is accompanied by dramatic action. I'll give a couple of scriptural examples. Do you remember Zacchaeus? All the little people shout amen. All the short people, amen. Zacchaeus was a short dude. And all he wanted to do was see Jesus. There's a parade coming through the streets. Jesus is up in, in this parade. He's, people are surrounding him, and, and it is, it's mass hysteria, man. It is craziness. It is craziness. You three guys, and Andrew and Nate, come here. 
Come on up here. Come on, Logan. Come on, Judah. You use this. You don't have to do anything. Just stand, okay? All right. Right up here up front. Shoulder to shoulder, guys. Judy, you're going to be my Zacchaeus because you kind of fit the part. <laughs> Stand shoulder to shoulder, shoulder to shoulder. All right. Anybody ever been in some kind of big event and you're the short person behind? You been there, Judah? Yeah, it stinks, doesn't it? Yeah, it's not very fun. Zacchaeus feels this way. And so Zacchaeus is thinking of everything he can do to try to get through here. He's kind of wandering through. He's trying to get in through. And these guys are like, what are you doing, man? Get out of here. What is going on? And, and he's trying to get through this parade. He's trying to see. He just wants to see. But nobody let him in. I'm guessing just by the way that this is kind of described in Scripture, this isn't just like we have a parade in our day where everybody just kind of lines the streets and you wait for people to throw candy. This is one of those kind of parades, kind of one of the kind of those deals that people are stacked up. I mean, they're not just like shoulder to shoulder like this. They are also stacked up behind. And Zacchaeus is this wee little dude, and he's trying to get through just to see. And he's like, man, I can't see nothing. I can't see anything. What in the world's going on here? I can't see nothing. And so Zacchaeus decides. He looks around. He says, what am I going to do? So he sees this sycamore tree. Anybody ever seen a sycamore tree? Back in Indiana, we have sycamore trees. Matter of fact, my hometown is known, our college there is called the Indiana State Sycamores because we have sycamore trees everywhere. There's one thing I know about sycamore trees is this. They are not the easiest trees to climb because their bark, when they get full grown, their bark kind of falls off and they're kind of slick. And the branches of these trees are usually up high. So could you imagine, come here, Zacchaeus. Can you imagine, I don't know if he was this tall or not, but we're just going to use Judah. He's an awesome dude. Um, could you imagine Zacchaeus trying to get up in a sycamore tree by himself? This is a guy in Zacchaeus who has no friends because he has ripped them all off, didn't you? <laughs> he took all their money and ripped them all off. So... Some guy, come, he's asking, he says, hey, can you help me up in that tree? Finally, I'm guessing he finds somebody that says, yeah, I'll help you up in that tree. I'll help you up in that tree. <laughs> right? And he gets up in this sycamore tree, and he probably thinks this. You guys can sit down. Thanks. Give him a hand for a second for helping us out. And he gets up in this tree, and he's probably thinking, man, I am inconspicuous up here. Nobody's ever going to see me. Sycamore leaves are huge. And he's getting up there, and he's, he's just kind of watching the festivities because, listen, he didn't really think he would have an opportunity to be close to Jesus because of his stature, but he thought, man, if I can just see him. All of a sudden, the parade route is coming right by Zacchaeus' sycamore tree. Jesus looks up, and he says, listen, Zacchaeus, come down from that tree. I'm going to go to your house today. And Zacchaeus is like, me? Say, what? You come to my house today? He comes out of that tree. He's got so much excitement in him. And he's probably thinking, man, who can I invite? I'm going to invite everybody I know. Come on in. Everybody come to my house. Jesus is coming to my house. And all he had to say was Jesus. Everybody ever have somebody come over to your house that was really well popular? And all you have to do is just say, hey, so-and-so is coming to my house. And everybody shows up. Everybody shows up. Zacchaeus is doing whatever he can. He's a wealthy man. 
And Zacchaeus comes up to Jesus and he says this. He has a dramatic action that was evidence of a defining moment, of a defining decision. And he says, if I've robbed anybody, I'll pay them back, multiplied over what I took from them. And so he begins to loosen his pocketbook and loosen his wallet and go get money. And he starts to pay people back that he ripped off because that's what tax collectors did. They ripped people off. And he began to, to do that. And Jesus makes a statement. He says this, salvation has come to this house today. Why? Because Zacchaeus decided in that moment that he was going to be all in. It's kind of ironic, the very thing. It makes sense because money was his God before he met the Lord. It makes sense that money would be the thing that would be his all-in statement. Another example of scripture that I see is this. There's a prostitute who comes in to, to Jesus. He's sitting around in a Pharisee's house. She brings this alabaster jar of ointment. And she comes down and she kneels before him and she's wiping his feet with her tears and her hair. She breaks this alabaster jar and begins to anoint his feet. To a prostitute, that alabaster jar would represent her entire livelihood because that was important to them. That was the very thing they used to make themselves be more appealing to others. And, they would, and, and she broke that at the feet of Jesus. She had, it was a symbol. That thing symbolized her life. It symbolized her occupation. But she made a defining decision and accompanied that with drastic action. I wonder today about us. Are there things in your life that are keeping you tied back and you're not all in? They are keeping you back here. And God's saying, listen, I want you to cut those things. You've made a defining decision, but it's not been followed by drastic action. And God's trying to get to your heart, and he's saying, listen, I need you to step up. I want you to be a leader. I want you to be someone that I can count on. I want you to be someone that's going to proclaim my name. As the word of the Lord said this morning in that message that we heard during worship, he's got great things in store for you. He's got great ministry in store for you. But it has to be cut the things of the past that are holding you back. When you cut those things of the past and you focus your heart and your thoughts on Jesus and you trust him with all of your heart, it's in those moments that you define yourself as being a drastic action that says, I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. Would you bow your heads? Holy Spirit, today, pray right now, Lord, that you would just go throughout this place this morning. Holy Spirit, sweep through every heart and every life. God, maybe there's someone here today, God, that 
that's never made that decision. They've never had the defining decision that says, I'm going to follow Jesus. There's never been a 180 turn in their life. Or maybe there's someone here today that raised their hand one time and, and they, they wanted to make a decision for Christ, but there's not been any kind of drastic action. There's not been a burning of the plow, so to speak. The past is still haunting them. They're still doing the things, God, that they did before. They're still having the same thoughts and the same actions that have happened all throughout their life. There's been no cutting of the ties of the past, no burning of the plow. God, today you're calling them. You're calling them to cut. You're calling them to move forward. Because you've got great things in store for them, but they can't hold on to the past. They've got to move forward with what you want for them. God, maybe there's some people here today, too, that through fear and insecurity, through trying this once before and getting blasted for it or something happening and the devil tried and defeated them once, God, it caused them to just want to stay put. But God, today I, I pray that they would hear the word of the Lord that says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. If you will trust me with all of your hearts, I will tell you and take you to places that I want you to be. It may not be easy. It may not be the most popular way, but I will take you to places. I will reach your friends. I will reach your family. I will reach those around you through you, but I need you to take drastic action in a corporation with your defining decision. And today they've allowed the things of their past and the hurts and the pains and the insecurity to determine where they are in their future. And God, you have a great thing in store moving forward. But God, they're just kind of sitting on the sidelines and you've called them to be all in. Help us, God, today. In Jesus' name, your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed this morning. You be honest with God. Be honest with God today. And you say, you know what, Pastor? I've never made that defining decision to follow Jesus. We celebrated with four people today who've made that decision. They came and they were baptized this morning. That's what that symbolized. I've made a defining decision that I'm going to follow Jesus. But you're here today and you've not made that decision. God will change your life. He will absolutely change your life for the better. And today, if you're here and you say, Pastor, I want to make that decision. We want to pray with you this morning. Would you slip up your hand and say, God, I need that. I need to make this decision today. Yeah, thank you. I've not made a defining decision. I need to make that today. Is there anyone else? Yes, thank you. defining decision, a defining decision that I'm going to follow Jesus. Amen. There's a second group of people here today that I feel like need to respond. And there's the one that have been so consumed with the things of the past, the hurts, the hang-ups, the insecurities, the failures, the things that people have said, the things that you have done. And you're comfortable there. You're finding that to be the place. And you, in the process of this, you've really lost your priority because the Bible says to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Jesus said again, he said, fix your eyes upon Jesus, the author and the perfecter of your faith. It says again, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. 
today you be honest with yourself. You be honest with God. You say, God, there are things in my life that are holding me back, that are keeping me from having this drastic action that is a that goes with my deciding moment. And I want to be the person you've called me to be. I want to lead that class. I want to, God, if you've called me to full-time ministry, I want to say yes. God, if you're calling me to, to lead a, a Sunday school, I want to say yes. If you're calling me, God, to teach in girls' club, I want to say yes. If you're calling me to reach my campus for Jesus, if you're calling me to be the person on my job site that is a, a true example of what Christianity and what serving the Lord should be, I want to say yes. I want to be the person of obedience that puts all the things behind and says, I've decided I'm all in following Jesus with all of my heart. You know today, you sit here and you know today, if you're half-heartedly doing this, walk with God. You know that the Holy Spirit right now is making you feel uncomfortable, and you know that. Man, I've done this half-heartedly. I've not given it all. But today you want to make a decision that says, yeah, I'm going to give it all. I'm going to all in. I'm going to be all in. If that's you today, would you slip up your hand? Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, hands across this place. Thank you. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, God. Praise you, God. Would you stand with me today? Hallelujah. Here's what I'd like to do this morning. If you raise your hand this morning, here's what I, as we pray in this prayer. I want you to raise your hands up to heaven. And I want you to surrender that to the Lord. Whatever it is that's keeping you, whatever it is that's not letting you go, that says, I am bound by this. I am, I, this has so consumed me. As, a, as an act of burning that plow today, I want you to lift it to the Lord and allow him to set fire to it. That you can't go back to those insecurities. You can't go back to that fear. You can't go back to the things that God wants you, that, that you've, the failures and the things that have, that have defined maybe your, your past. God's got a new destiny in front of you today. He's got a new strategy in front of you today. And if that's you as we pray, I want you to lift those hands to heaven. And I want you to give that to the Lord today. Offer it to the Lord as a sacrifice. Father, right now in the name of Jesus. Those things, God, that are in our life. Those things, God, that we have held more dear. Those things, God, that we have allowed to define us. Those things that we have, have allowed to keep us back and holding on. God, today, just like Elisha burned the plow and he got barbecued the oxen. God, today, we decide to do that. We burn that failure. We burn that insecurity. We burn that fear. We burn what people have said. We burn the things that have been defining us. And God, today, we have made a decision that we're going to assume you as our top priority. You're going to be the one we're all in for. You're going to be the one who leads us and guides us. My family's going to be affected. My job's going to be affected. My home, in my life, in my school, in my every place I go, my church is going to be affected because I have decided that I'm going to follow Jesus with all of my heart, with everything I have. And today, for those who needed to make a defining moment for you, Lord, in this prayer, I pray, God, that they will have made that solidified in their heart. 
this morning, I'm going to ask if you're here today, would you just repeat this prayer with me, especially those who need to ask Jesus in their life. Would you repeat this with me? Dear Jesus, I have decided that I'm going to follow you. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. I want relationship. I want you the first priority. I want you to be the thing that gets me up. I want you to be the thing I focus on. I give you my life. I give you everything. Thank you for giving everything for me. I do the same now for you. In Jesus' name, amen.